0: Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is. Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I
1: really like this new service. gives you that flexibility to
0: hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 265 of Two Blokes Talking Tech. My name is Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au and. We do this every week, talking the latest in technology, the latest news information, and we try and do it every week, sitting here side by side. But this week, I'm just here alone. Um, You know, it's late night. I'm sitting here alone, talking to myself, which is okay, because I do it a lot. Um, But Stephen is normally with me here for the podcast. He is in New York as a guest of Samsung for the Galaxy Note 7 launch, which we'll talk about shortly. Stephen Fennec from techguide.com.au on the line. G'day, mate.
1: Good morning slash evenings, depending mm. on what part of the world you're sitting on. But, mm. uh, yeah, it's not the same without you, Trevor. We're normally side-by-side, side, and we've done it every week until now. It's just uh, the circumstances didn't allow us to be side-by-side at side this time. But, please, uh, I, ho- I hope my line quality is up to your very high standards. <laughs> but we, uh, we're, we're, we're doing it... <laughs> we were... Uh,
0: we, I laugh. We're, we're I laugh. We should bring people what? on in on the joke here. This is the third time we've begun the recording of the podcast. <laughs> um, and it's great because it's a really interesting example for me. And I, I actually want to, before we talk about the note, I just want to say, we tried two internet technologies here first, which we we normally rely on. Uh, FaceTime, we found to be quite a reliable uh, connection uh, didn't didn't work great for us uh, it was was not great coming back um, into the into the country from you uh, we tried Skype which was pretty good until it just dropped out literally like a Telstra uh, mobile call on a, on a blackout weekend and um, and the funny thing is I'm I'm an old-school radio guy and I will say to every single person I speak to on the radio have you got a landline I rang your hotel on a yeah. landline I spoke to you on a landline and it sounded like you were uh, uh from Madman, you know, the ad agency from the 50s. <laughs> I mean, it was a terrible quality yeah, line. And here we are 50s. now.
1: You he, went back in time.
0: Here we are now, and we are talking on Stephen's mobile phone, Australian number, roaming in America. And the quality, I mean, look, the quality is, is a phone, phone call, but a thousand times better than a landline, which is very interesting to me, Stephen. But uh, we'll, we'll battle through yep. for the sake of the audience here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. We will talk all things tech this week, including the Samsung Galaxy Note 7. I mean you're there I'm not so let me um not uh, spend too long talking about it but from my viewing of it uh, you know 1 a.m. in the morning um Sydney time in uh, on Wednesday I was snoring um didn't really give a rats but uh, you were awake at 11 11 in the morning over there waiting for we. what we knew was we knew what the device was we knew what it was called we knew some of its features but uh once again samsung chose to put uh, a couple of thousand uh journalists from around the world in a room wearing um gear vr headsets so they look like complete idiots and uh you chose to be one of those people Stephen.
1: <laughs> yes i did the way you put it yeah yeah that's uh, that's exactly right but uh yeah we were in we're in the Hammersmith Ballroom, this famous venue in, uh, on West 34th Street here in New York. And as we've experienced with Apple launches and other, other launches, we, you, you get your badge, you line up, you get herded into an area, and then you wait for the keynote to begin, and then they present the product, uh, and away you go. And it was no different we, this time with Samsung, and following the, the presentation, they had a hands-on area. That you could uh, you could uh, touch and feel the phone, uh, do do whatever you need to do, your hands-on reviews and things like that. But the uh, the the device itself, um, you, you mentioned the, the Note 7. This is this is Samsung's flagship in terms of having the large screen device. The Note's been around since 2011, so it has been quite a successful product line for Samsung, and it's come a long way. I, I can remember that when we originally saw the the Note back in 2011, and it looked just gargantuan, this massive screen. Everyone's thinking, wow, will anyone ever want to use that type of phone? Uh, But over the years, I think uh, the acceptance of a large screen has grown. as has the ability to manufacture the product so that the screen, uh, it does, and screen to sort of body size ratio has really dropped over the years. And this is a great example of the Note 7 having a large screen, yet still feeling pretty compact in your hand and still able to use most of the features with one hand.
0: And I think for what I uh, at a at a distance look at it and think they've done a, a very good job bringing both the the flagship phone the the Galaxy S range and the the phablet phone uh the Note um to a much higher standard of quality because they have to with with Apple's design and quality. Um they they are really marketing it well with their with the features of the S Pen and stuff like that. I think they've done a very good job of setting it, setting the bar for this device. It is a almost fourteen hundred dollar device. Um, you know, even on a Vodafone, I think it's a one hundred and thirty dollar plan. It's still three bucks a month, so you can see, you know, how expensive a device of this size is. And it's not. Um, although interestingly, mate, I did love the idea of putting in a two hundred fifty six gigabyte micro SD card for pre orders. Um, you know, that's a three hundred dollar item on its own. I mean, I want one just for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's sixty four gig on board. Uh, and, yeah, if you pre-order, you do get the 256 uh, micro SD card, which apparently this is the only phone that can handle a 256 gig card. It's a Samsung card as well. Mm. But, yeah, uh, the, the, that, that's attractive in itself. You're right. Um, but the I think there's enough, there's enough uh, points of difference for the Note 7 to be more than just a bigger version of the S7. Uh, I think people should note that that it's, you know, apart from the larger screen, you've got the S Pen, which you mentioned, which is can do more now. It, it can not only write on the screen, write on the lock screen, you can pin a note to the lock screen. You know how they got the always on display. Yep. So you can, you'll always see your note on the screen. Uh, and or, on top of that, you've got uh, the fact that it's also it's also waterproof, the yep. first note to be waterproof. Even the S Pen is waterproof. Would,
0: and like fully waterproof, sense, but... not just mucking around, splash me, waterproof. Fully, you know, they've thrown some serious technology yes. at this.
1: Yes, they have, yeah. They, they, they had a, one of the demo areas was a little pool of water where they were actually writing on the screen while, it, while the device was completely submerged. They were also playing a game on the screen while it was underwater as well. So it is IP68 rating, S Pen and Note 7, the first time that that note's been waterproof. But on the security side, I think one of the, the headline-grabbing features, kind of a, a James Bond sort of feature that I called it, is the iris scanner. And this is the security level where, you know, you do have your pin code, you've still got your fingerprint reader, but this thing can un- be unlocked... Just by you looking at it so it scans your iris and determines it's you and then unlocks the device i think that that in itself i think it's pretty impressive and and uh one of one of the one of the standout features for me uh security is a very big feature on this product
0: and and i think the critical thing about the iris scanner and i gotta be honest i laughed when i saw that as a rumored feature because i just think it feels like i, know, I had a couple of people on the radio say to me that it feels like they're just trying to you know be one step ahead of apple which they are in this sense but You know, it feels like they've done a very good job with it. It seems like it's pretty snappy. It seems like it's easy to set up. I think the the challenge will be when we... When we use them for three three weeks, four weeks, and understand you know does it have a hundred percent hit rate like a like a like you 'd expect or is it kind of ninety nine ninety five like a fingerprint sometimes is you know it has to be pretty darn good, but it 's not just that in terms of security because they do they do pin this as a very business device don 't they and they 've put all their knocks in there they 've talked secure folders they 've really talked about security with this thing
1: absolutely yeah yeah the the iris scanner is just one of many security levels and I did try. I, it wasn't scanned to me, but I did. I did see how quickly it can be unlocked by a person who'd registered their eyes on the phone, and, and it was literally a second that it took to read both eyes, and uh, you know, a little bit longer than a fingerprint, but still, still not ages. It was only like a second or two, and the
0: device was unlocked. What and did they say? Is in terms to... of why? What? Why iris? Are they? Are they? Is there a reason fingerprint isn't the holy grail is there is there a reason for the iris being introduced as well as no, a fingerprint
1: I, so they well no i I think well I think it's a combination of yeah well we, we the possibility that that it can be done and they've done yeah. it and they've got a dedicated iris scanner it doesn't use the front facing camera I thought it would use that camera, but there is a dedicated iris scanner on the front uh i think just to give users just another option, I guess, so just like that, there's an option you can use your PIN code or your fingerprint, just another another level of security for you know. And it is a bit quirky; people may see it as gimmicky, but but oh, I like the fact that you got these choices now, and and you can use you can use your iris, your eyes, to secure folders and do things like that. So you can secure a part of the phone that are literally for your eyes only, using the iris again. <laughs> so so uh,
0: it's uh, <laughs> That's the I, worst I, I, ever. I, I Honestly. The if they use that in marketing, tried. I'm out. That's it.
1: Well, <laughs> I think uh yeah the the whole James Bond feel of this thing, uh it, it, it's sort of one of those features where I, I reckon that they, they, they should they I reckon they will have a bit of fun with this in the marketing but um it is you know that, that's just only a part of it, of course, but you mentioned earlier that it's yeah, it is very much aimed at being a work tool productivity tool, a business sort of tool and you're right it is and has been in the in the earlier versions that that was main the main audience for the phone, but in the last couple of years with the the availability of so much content on the go and uh, users pr- preferring and 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 uh, moving towards larger screen devices, this is, I think, split down the middle now where it's going to appeal to your your average consumer who just loves, cons- loves consuming content on the go and having the power to play those latest games. That That is as attractive to a, a business person who can get a lot of stuff done on the move as well. Mm.
0: Now, USB-C, um, which obviously signals that the Galaxy S8 next year will be USB-C and all from, all from now on.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that's uh, they did mention the fact that it was it's the first device, but certainly not the last device to have USB-C in terms of their smartphone range. Uh, we we saw the USB-C was actually on the Tab Pro S, Samsung's uh, Windows 10 uh, hybrid, uh, mm-hmm. which 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 that we both use, and the, it's got USB-C. It's it's now come to the phone. And you're right, I think that from here on in, you're going to see USB-C across the board. Uh, that, that's going to help uh, with the battery charging. It's got a 3,500 milliamp-hour battery, so that it's actually mm. the largest Note battery that they've included. Uh, there is fast charging. They do have uh, uh, the wireless charging as well, where you can just lay it down on on the, the induction charger, and, and get that achieves your fast charging as well. Uh, and, you know, I think... This is, I sort of look at this as being a really complete package. It, it, it gives you, you've got the S Pen, you've got this nice big screen, you've got the power uh, and security, lots of apps of course. And yeah, you know, I think that the device is is gonna set a new standard for Samsung. I think that, that now, the, the, this is a serious product. I think it's the, the most advanced that they've come up with. They've kind of used all their resources to come up with this, and I think it's an interesting, the timing of it being you know, only a couple of months out from the, the iPhone 7, and sort of, it, it is a bit of a shot across the bow, I think, to, to Apple to say, well, look, this is what we've got, now what what could you come up with?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and obviously, because of the USB-C, they had to announce a new Gear VR, which will become compatible with USB-C devices, um, so that that'll be what we'll see next year again with the Galaxy S8.
1: Yeah that's right the the Gear VRs had a, a bit of a tweak uh it it does have a USB C connection but there is an adapter so that you can still uh, it's still backwards compatible with uh phones back to I think the uh, Samsung the S the Galaxy S6 it will work with as well but um just quickly before we wrap up on the on the on the S7 uh the sorry the Note 7 the S pen uh has They've really improved its ability. Like the the actual the, the point of the of the S Pen is half the size as it was as it was on the previous model. So you do get a bit more a bit more of a finer detail. There there is also twice the amount of pressure sensitivity. I think there's four thousand seven hundred and ninety six levels of pressure sensitivity. So if you are who's a person counting who does. Yeah, but if it, 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 it's appealing, if you are someone who loves writing and drawing on the screen, so that you you can now not only have that added detail, but even a little thing like being able to mix your colours now. Just if you're painting, you know, when you mix blue and yellow, you get green. Now, yeah. now lines merging, it does recognise that fact, and it, it give people who are artists or designers or would have sketches, but it gives them that added feature, that added detail that was missing from the previous model.
0: Very good. All right. Well, uh, Stephen has comprehensive um, reports on the on the Galaxy Note Seven. He has hands on details of the Galaxy Note Seven as well as pricing for the Galaxy Note Seven at TechGuide dot com dot I've just got top line stuff basically at the FTM because you know didn't have much info. Um, you can check it all out TechGuide dot com au for all the info. Stephen will be uh, We'll be uh, continuing to, to get more hands-on and, and uh, more detailed analysis of the phone as the weeks roll on here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenwick. Well, uh, the craze has been insane uh, with Pokemon, and Stephen has very interesting details at techguide.com.au about a little, uh, little breakaway called PokerFit.
1: Yeah, well, the Pokemon Go, as we all know, has just been... I think there's more than... Last I heard, there's more than 75 million users and really active users, with emphasis on the word active, because what people are doing in their hunt to capture these Pokemon creatures... What they're doing is something they're not used to, and that's called exercise. A lot of people are walking, on average, about five kilometres a day. So Mm -hmm. the the, the, the sort of upside of this Pokemon Go app is the fact that people are actually now out and about and and exercising, and a company has taken it upon themselves to to create an app that runs side-by-side with Pokemon Go. It's called PokerFit. Now, what this does, this is a free Android app that can run at the same time as Pokemon Go and it overlays on your, on your map uh, information that, like your calories burned, your distance travelled, uh, the duration of your hunt and things like that. So it turns your monster hunt into a personal workout, so mm. it, you are getting the best of both worlds there. So you are hunting your creatures, and but it is also keeping track of uh, of the amount of walking, the distance you're traveling, and it all provides an information so that uh, it can give you credit to that for that for that exercise. So you can do you can kill two birds so to speak, with one stone, but uh, you're hunting at the same time as you're exercising.
0: And it's interesting because I, it's funny, I asked, I think it was the traffic guy who was doing traffic in my Sunday show on TUE, and I said, uh, you went to Pokemon? He goes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I'm level 25, and I went, holy jeez. He goes, mate, I've walked 48 kilometres in the last, you know, two weeks or something, and I just went, wow, and and that's the thing, this is... uh, This is an amazing game, Um, it is a pretty um, unbelievable rise, but it's also created this fitness thing. It'd be interesting to see how and if people gamify the fitness aspect of it as well, um, because it could change the way we approach fitness if we're actually gamifying it. I think that's a really cool thing about it.
1: No, Absolutely, And, and not only does it give you that fitness information, which is valuable, it also gives you uh, information about how much data you're using as well. So uh, I think on average, players are be using between 10 and 15 meg of data per hour. Uh, it also gives you advice on how to, how to uh, give your battery the best options as well. So the mm-hmm. Pokemon Go was found by P3, which is the company who developed PokeFit. They found that the Pokemon Go had the highest battery drain weight drain rate, nearly a third more mm. than it's uh, compared to other apps that drain the battery pretty quickly like Google Maps uh, and Facebook and YouTube. Mm. So it's important to not only that the, the app is giving you that information for your fitness and, and taking down your steps and crediting you with that uh, with that exercise and that, that activity, but also to give you a heads up about your battery and your data use as well.
0: All right. If your kids or you are playing Pokemon, uh, then check out PokerFit and you can read the details at techguide.com.au. Now, Stephen, I know you're overseas, but I'd be very interested to know how you're handling the census, given you're going to be overseas for it. But bit, a bit of a debate around today, uh, primarily around the security of the census and the fact that we're pushing the census to be done online. And I just wanted to have a quick, quick chat about it and, you know, kind of express our views. Because, you know, there's a lot of, I'm just going to say, narcs out there who are just saying it's the end of the world because we're doing the census online. There's going to be a huge hack. Um, now, the biggest challenge, I think, and it's a valid concern, is that um, we're not just entering our religion, number of kids, income, and all that kind of stuff. We're also entering our name and address because what they want to do is they want to have a way of somehow kind of indicating the movement of people as well as just the, the, the raw stats. Um, and I think that's a great concept, but I think it is a privacy risk. But, you know, the idea that the Australian Bureau of Statistics is going to get hacked just feels a little bit far-fetched to me
1: yeah I can understand people's concerns and and you you, you look at it from this perspective if there's one thing that you that if, if you are after information if there's one thing that you'd hack this it would be this this is like the holy grail of hacks to get all this information.
0: Okay, well I'll stop you there. What do you think What do you think makes it the Holy grail, Apart from the, the overwhelming number of questions, what, what, what few things, name address, what else makes it valuable data?
1: Well well we know from, from what we've been talking about for years now, the general security concerns and things like share oversharing information online, and it doesn't take many points of identity. To uh, About yourself, mm. to mount a, a, an identity theft case, so if if you are providing all this information mm. through the census your, your name, your address, your age, income, date of birth i 'd assume all all this is in there then this is the big honeypot that a, that a hacker could target. So and and Understandable, I, I agree. It, it, it is there.
0: I agree. But here's the thing. People, let's say religion. I mean, who gives a rat's if, if someone knows your religion? I, I, hack me. Go for a your life. A lot of people
1: are going to write that they're
0: Jedis anyway. That's yeah, what normal well, people well, do. Well, that's, not, that's just Mr. stupid <laughs> because it's just dumb. But um, but here's the thing, right? Let's say, what's the you know, I'll tell you what the most private piece of information is, I think, for, for the average individuals, is income. I think that yeah. um, everyone should have the right to be concerned about that. But let me just say this. Yeah. Um, I don't want to break it to you, but the Australian tax office has your name, your address, your tax file number, your date of birth, yeah. and your income for the last seven years in a computer system. Why, why are yeah, we not up in arms about but, that? But,
1: well, now that, that's a good question, Trevor. But I think the fact that, um, that yeah, that you're right, and, and that sort of is done... Staggered. People do it at all different times, but the fact that everything, everyone's doing it all at the same time, all on the same day, it's you know, it's 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 obvious trail of information is going to be coming on a certain day, and that I think is what's got people concerned. And it's funny because this, for the first time, there'll be more people filling out their census forms online than using the physical forms.
0: Oh, of course. With the
1: concerns of security, so in this, in this instance, it would probably be more secure to send in a form rather than fill it out on the internet. So maybe people might go back to old school, fill out the form, the ring up, get the get the form sent out to your house, do it manually with a pen and on a piece of paper, rather than risking. Sending it uh, electronically.
0: Tell you what, I think's the most interesting part. I'm actually couldn't give a rat's about security. I'm I'm going to sit there with some popcorn and see whether the website stays up, <laughs> because you know this is going to be the single biggest instance of uh, a, the Australian population going to a single website in in history. I I can't think of another time. Think about, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but think about that first, um, what was that stupid online sale called? Um, click Frenzy. Click Frenzy, yeah. which, which was meant to be a one-off, yeah. and then they've made it like 15 times a year, so it's just stupid now. But uh, the original one-off was literally, just it just crashed because they had you know a couple of hundred thousand people try to access it. Now, I heard the ABS yeah. this week talking about how they've got scalable websites and they've made the actual census form really, really small in terms of data and yada, yada, yada. But, mate, I've got to tell you, I reckon there will be reports on Wednesday on Talkback Radio of people going, well, I tried to go to the website and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be, uh, they're no doubt preparing for the onslaught, but, yeah, I think that it's going to be a, certainly a massive test uh, and it'll test not only their servers, but it'll test our patients, for mm. people who can't get through and can't upload their information. Yeah. But time will tell, I guess. I'm, I'm going to be over in New York still, so I don't think I'm going to be counted.
0: You in don't in count effect, anyway, mate. I think you have
1: to be home uh, to, to be counted.
0: You don't count anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gee, thanks, mate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what, Joe? Joe's, you know, I hope, we know what I hope Joe does. I hope she counts you and just makes up her perfect man, you know. She, he'll be younger. Yeah, all right. He'll earn more. <laughs> he'll... <laughs> you already got a perfect man. Mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. Got a lotto Yeah, no, nah, oh, yeah, lotto. Oh. She'll be like he's thirty-two. He's earning five hundred thousand dollars. He's <laughs> mate. She's gonna make up the yeah. uh, the ultimate. It's gonna be hilarious. You think so? Yeah, you know, I think that's what okay. She's do. Well,
1: oh. I will be on the phone then yeah. back to Australia on August nine. <laughs> I know
0: that. Uh the census. I don't know whether you're worried about it or not, but uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick with a PH. The hashtag. Ziggy Zaggy. Um, We'd love to know what you think of the census and the census being online. What are you going to do? Are you going to do it online or have you applied for the paper form to come your way? You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. And we do it all each and every week. Thanks to the good people at netgear, netgear netgear.com.au and don't forget their Arlo wire-free security cameras. The um, the Arlo range of uh, wire-free cameras are sensational. And now combined with the Arlo Q and Arlo Q+, um, you've got the choice of a fully wire-free, uh, waterproof HD security camera that uh, runs on batteries, and the batteries last five to six months in my experience, or the Arlo Q, which is uh, wireless uh, in terms of internet connectivity and just requires a single power connection, uh, place it anywhere in the home and get full monitoring uh, and continuous monitoring, if you like. They all upload to the cloud. The cloud is um, local. The cloud is free for about seven days' worth of storage, or you can pay to get a bigger storage and even more. You can find the Arlo Q, Arlo Q and the Arlo standards at um, all leading retailers. It's a great security system for your home or small business. Arlo from Netgear. Check them out at netgear.com.au two blokes talking tech you're listening to two blokes talking tech with trevor long and Fennick. now a few quick things before we get to your minute reviews um and i thought this one um yesterday or it might have been today actually um from from d-link uh an, a new uh security camera and it's interesting because d-link have done a range of different products they've they've diversified their their all their uh, their range in terms of routers and all those things but this is a an interesting one i haven't seen before it's um it's a 180 degree lens, so the difference here is that you can basically put this thing up against the wall. You could maybe put it on the mantle. You could put it um, behind, um, you know, the the lounge, uh, looking at the TV in the whole room or somewhere, and you're getting that full field of vision as opposed to just a smaller, narrow view. So not a bad little bad idea. You know, most of them are about a um, 120 or 130 degree angle, so it's quite a wide angle of view. 349 dollars. You know, this is pretty standard fare for a for a a Wi-Fi camera though these days, Steve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's becoming a, a, a more common product, this one. People are looking, they're, they're, they've got an eye on security now, and yeah. they do want to have this kind of monitoring in their homes now. What I like about this is that it gives you that 180-degree view, and normally that would look really warped and sort of the fisheye sort of look, but it's got actually a de-warping technology, so it actually gives you that video with a lot less distortion, so it can adjust that view. have a a real clear view of wherever you've set it up uh it's got motion and sound detection as well and and it's also got local recording so it's got there's a 16 gig micro sd card so that it records everything to the card rather than sending it up to the cloud so it's one less Mm. internet transaction if you like that you have to make uh you can get you can access your video, if there is any motion or sound detected, straight away you can log in and look at it right off the memory card, rather than having to log into a cloud account.
0: Yep, and of course night vision, so you can get uh, you can get video recorded in uh, in darkness. And I think one of the things about these security cameras and this technology is, yeah, you are literally uh, often in an ecosystem, and we've talked about the Arlo's, for example, D-Link, Belkin. There's a whole range of these things, and often it's it's just really easy to add to an existing system. But don't forget that there are also some really cool apps. I've even got a network storage at the moment that, that just all you got to do is type in the IP address of a camera and it will actually help and start recording. So because of the openness of these systems, sometimes you can actually have a whole range of different cameras in your home. So well worth checking out. Um, it's, uh, I've got some photos and details up at eftm.com.au, the D-Link um, it's DCS960L is the model number. It's three hundred forty nine ninety five. Check it out at eftm.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, um, battery anxiety is something I suffer for from uh, regularly. And um, interesting, and you wrote about this during the week at techguide.com.au. Uh, a reminder, really, um, given that the LG G5 launched so long ago, um, in, in real terms because, you know, we've had so many great phones since then. A reminder from LG about the fact that it's actually probably one of the best devices on the on the market right now for people that suffer from battery anxiety.
1: That's right, yeah. I think we've all been there. We've got only a small amount of power left on our phones or have, have run out of power completely and there's that feeling of us being cut off from the world. It's, uh, it's pretty common feeling where we're so used to being connected and and accessible all the time and suddenly that being taken away leaves a lot of us feeling the stress uh yeah the g5 which did launch earlier this year uh it it had that modular design that allows you to 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 not only access the battery but also to add modules like an audio module or a camera grip and things like that but uh lg has just released the new uh the new battery pack so this is a, a cradle that allows you to carry a spare battery around, keep it charged, charge other devices with it if you have to, but basically if you if your phone, if your battery dies on the G5, you can simply pop open the bottom of the phone, slide out the old dead battery, put in a brand new fully charged battery, uh, and then you're on your way. So there's, a, there's not many phones with that kind of, still it still has that unibody look and feel, Uh, Not many phones in that class that can claim to do that. Batteries are all sealed off just to keep the device thin and light. The batteries are normally enclosed and and inaccessible. Not so with the G5, and there would be a lot of people who who are feeling a little nervous when the battery runs down will be looking at this uh, as a way to stay charged the whole time.
0: Now, one of the core advantages of the G5's removable and interchangeable battery is that carrying a battery pack around... It's very easy. Um, you can throw the one in your handbag, your suitcase, your briefcase, whatever it is. You can even keep them in your pocket. But remember this, a, a battery is, is much bigger when you need to add to it the circuitry and components required for USB charging and USB output. So they're actually a very big device to carry around, whereas the G5's interchangeable battery is this. It, just think of think, go back 10 years and think of the battery you used to slide into your phone. They're very thin. They're very small. You can keep them in your pocket and not know it's there. Um, so that's probably that's the biggest true. advantage yeah. for me.
1: No, definitely. And you're right. There are Battery packs are really common now that people carry them around, but you've got to carry cables, and it's a bit of a mess. Uh, but the, the, in LGs, uh, they've created some funny little videos, too, about low battery anxiety and a, a this therapy, people going through therapy on trying to uh, overcome their low battery anxiety. There's a series of videos, They've put up, I've put one on my story on Tech Guide and there are, I think there's about five or six funny little, uh, you know, they're only about a minute long, videos all about it. But um, it's just a, a, a case of LG just reminding people that, yeah, the phone was out a little while ago, but here's this charging cradle that can make it even more useful on the go to help you avoid the stress of a low battery.
0: Check it out uh, details of the G5 and the battery anxiety at techguide.com.au. And last one uh, from uh, Stephen's remote location before we get to his minute reviews. I like this uh, announcement yesterday from Epson uh, in terms of their new range of what they call ultimate home cinema um, projectors stephen i 'm sure will contest that momentarily but um, what they 've got here is a bunch of projectors a new range of projectors that range in price from anywhere from about twenty seven hundred up to about five thousand um, dollars and that top end at five thousand down to about three uh, three and a half four and a half thousand they have what they call four k enhanced capabilities now I've got an Epson uh, projector here in the AFTM studio. It's sensational. It works really well. Um, but if I hooked up the Samsung 4K Blu-ray player, it would probably um, not be very happy. I'd need to downscale to 1080 to Im- allow it to input that information. So what it does is these projectors now are, are able to receive 4K content, but they also have this nifty technology that doesn't create a 4K picture, but it does uh, digitally Um, enhance the pixels kind of um, expands them if you like to give a perception of a better quality and that's what that's my simple idiot's guide of trying to explain what epson describes as 4k enhanced and i think while i'm not you're not going to get 4k from it i think most people would be rather impressed with the quality um and i think that Stephen, when you look at the price Five grand for their for their best one, um, it's actually really good quality, really good uh, price uh, to consider that you could hook up an Xbox One with with 4K or a Samsung Blu-ray player and still get that big screen screen experience, but not quite have to spend the amount of money you need to, for a, a high-end 4K uh, projector
1: yeah you're right i think that that, that is that is uh, it, it is a smart move from epson so it, it, they're noticing all this new 4k content that's coming around we've got discs and, and streaming content and you're right a, a, a native 4k projector you're looking at probably ten thousand plus uh but and not, not many people have got the budget to to enjoy that kind of uh that kind of resolution but what Epson have done is really clever with its kind of 4k lights they've created with this enhancement technology and and how 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 I understand it works what it does in the in the 4k enhancement so rather than it just being upscaling which it does anyway and a lot a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of 4k TVs can upscale content as well but and, and projectors as well but what this does is its enhancement technology? What it does, it shifts each pixel diagonally, so that it, it, it by by half the length of the pixel is shifted diagonally, so that technically it's doubling the resolution, but without giving you that visible sort of uh the sort of the, the stair this what they call a stair stepping so that it looks like it's been enhanced yep, yep. so it, it's 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 a little like remember before we had full HD there was 1080i yep. where it would uh, it would be interlaced so it's kind of doing that by moving the pixel cleverly at that uh, diagonally to make up so it's kind of the pixel can be almost two places at once mm. uh, so i I saw this briefly in Melbourne earlier this year when they had their when they did their um, launches for the formula one they gave us a preview of this Mm. and to the naked eye uh, unless unless you got the best eye in the world it's very hard to distinguish the difference of this 4k enhancement and native 4k so uh if they're going to save you money and still give you what you think is 4k then i think they've succeeded and five thousand dollars for a 4k enhanced projector, I think is pretty good value.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key. You know, not everyone can afford to spend more than 5k if, if 5k on a projector. So it creates that upper limit for the for the first tier and you've got to remember there are much better projectors that will do amazing things, but you will pay in the tens of thousands of dollars for those. So a great uh, move from Epson and I'm sure they'll do very well with them. Um, I've put some details up on the Epson 4k enhanced projectors at uh, eftm.com.au All right, Stephen, uh, minute review time, and you've got a device and some titles. It's going to confuse people, but we'll get to it. Uh, and you got your uh, good mate Chris Oten to have a look at the, uh, the GX85. I did,
1: yeah. This is the Panasonic Lumix uh, compact camera. This is a real trend in, in photography where a compact body camera but offering the features of uh, an SLR. So the, the GX85 has that compact design, It's also got on board five-axis in-body stabilisation so that it it does take the shakes out of your pictures and your video. There's an all-new electromagnetic shutter mechanism as well. So uh, that's that's another feature on this new device. It also shoots 4K video, and that in-body stabilisation I mentioned does help Uh, for you to create some excellent 4K videos, so without the wobbles, gives you the ability to shoot some pretty professional-looking video. There's also post-focus, so it allows you to focus your images after you've taken them, that's uh, pretty impressive feature there as well, uh, and it's as I said, pretty compact. And I'll, there's some pictures that that Chris took with this device. It's, it's it offers superb quality. Uh, the 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 device he looked at, there were a couple of things. He the the auto focus in in his review, he said it was a little bit of a pain. It did took take a fraction of a second longer to focus, depending on the lens you were using as well. Uh, the, the the review that he did here for the GX85, it's priced at. A thousand and ninety nine dollars and that 's just for the body only so you if you do have existing Lumix lenses or you want to buy some more, that is a thousand and ninety nine just for the body only but overall he gave it a big pick in terms of its its compact form factor extensive set of features uh, and it 's just that multi purpose camera that can go with you anywhere because of that compact size, so it 's useful in any situation so uh Panasonic Lumix GX85, priced at $1,099.
0: Details at techguide.com.au. Two
1: blokes talking tech.
0: You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen And finally, mate, some uh, some new, we were just talking about 4K, some new 4K titles from Roadshow. Yeah,
1: well, here here is new, a new wave of titles. And the Epson projectors that we were just talking about have that HDCP 2.2 compliance to play these video, these uh, discs uh, as well. So just to keep that in mind. But the new Roadshow releases, there's, there's four titles and one of the biggest releases, I think, of the year is now on 4K. It's uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. This was a massive in the cinemas. Uh, and on 4K, you're actually getting the ultimate edition, which is an extra 30 minutes uh, of, 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 of the footage there. Uh, it is... Uh, look, the word I keep using for 4K... Is pristine, sort of the. You're watching it on on a big screen with obviously 4K connection. The whole the whole bit going on, uh, it is amazing quality and and really noticeable above above uh, full HD. The, they've also released to go with this is uh, the film is Man of Steel, which is kind of the the film that came before Batman v Superman. To start of Batman v Superman almost picks up where Man of Steel left off. So a great little double feature if you want to watch Man of Steel and then into Batman versus Superman. The other titles they've got are Creed, which is that great film with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Michael B. Jordan uh, that that earned Sylvester Stallone, uh, he won a Golden Globe and also earned an Oscar nomination. Terrific film. Expendables 3, another Stallone title, great action film uh, and uh, again, looking terrific, but also sounding terrific apart from creed those other the other titles all have dolby atmos which is that sound format that if you do have speakers on the ceiling or front speakers that can bounce the signal off the the ceiling down onto the viewer, Mm. it does have that soundtrack available as well. So not only are these movies looking great, they're also sounding great as well. All these movies also include the Blu-ray disc version. So if you are thinking of getting a 4K, you might be buying the Xbox or a Samsung or the Panasonic player, So if you do buy these today, you can still watch them on Blu-ray, but then have the 4K disc in the box as well. And one little thing about 4K, it's region-free. So if you buy 4K discs anywhere in the world, and I'm looking in all stores over here in the US, 4K discs have no region coding, unlike Blu-ray and DVD. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. But those titles from... The uh, Roadshow, Batman v Superman, Creed, Expendables 3, and Man of Steel are all available now.
0: Get shopping, folks. Techguide.com.au. Two tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Well, Stephen, that's a wrap on the show. And uh, thank you for your patience, everyone, with Stephen down the line. Like, like a little radio show, Stephen, on the mobile phone. And thanks for whacking that thing up against your ear for half an hour, mate. Um, you're going to stick around uh, the United States and do some business for a little while, so we might be uh, might be finding a connectivity again next week here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well,
1: yes, we will. We'll do some extensive research into improving the quality for our listeners, Trevor. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be doing that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as I said about Joe, mate, you can only do so much about where who you are. So don't just let's just work on the quality of the internet, okay? You're, you're a great bloke, all right. Okay. You don't have to work on your own self self esteem, mate. Okay. To, Two blokes talking yeah. tech. Uh, Stephen's uh, reviews, information, blogs, in, uh, concerns, opinions, and, of course, news on technology at techguide.com.au. You can follow him on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH. You'll find me at eftm.com.au and on Twitter at Trevor Long. Stephen, well, let's do it again next week, mate.
1: I'll talk to you then.